Welcome to the Solo 2.0 podcast, where two sisters, Jess and Rye, focused on health and hormone balance to help you step into that 2.0 version of you. Growing up, we heard all about hormones, sometimes more than we wanted, from our mom, who is a hormone health educator. As we got older, we rebelled and experienced our own health struggles and ups and downs. But today we have businesses helping people get in tune with their bodies, break free from restrictive eating and lifestyle habits, and learn how to balance their hormones naturally. So what can you expect from this podcast? Honest conversations and hot topics that should be more mainstream, like period health, cycle tracking, non-hormonal birth control, and our unique take on fad diets and trends that aren't always so supportive for women. Plus, interviews with health and wellness entrepreneurs making a big impact in the world. Ladies, it's time we align with our powers and redefine what healthy means to us. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the Solo 2.0 podcast. This is Jess, holistic health coach and founder of Body Blessed by Jess. And normally I'm joined by my sister, Rye Birch, who is the co-founder of our family business, but she is actually on vacation in France. And I did this interview with our guests by myself, but it's also a really exciting one because it was the first in-person interview that I've done in a very long time. And it was actually in Austin, Texas. I was out there a couple weeks ago now visiting my husband, Josh, who was there for an entire month. He is a bar and restaurant consultant, and he got a job out there at this really incredible restaurant that's been there almost 50 years at this point. And so I decided to fly out the last four days of his trip. And that way I was able to see Austin. I was able to see the restaurant, hang out with him, and I also reached out to my friend Maddie Miles who lives there and is a fellow hormone health practitioner to see if she'd finally want to meet in real life because we've only ever met through Instagram and voice notes and podcasting and I thought it would be fun to record an episode together and she was all about it so we finally got together. It was so much fun. We honestly could have recorded a three-hour podcast on this topic because we got so many questions, which was on fad diets and really breaking down the ones that we see most often, as well as our thoughts on using them as a tool to reach certain health goals. As a teaser, we get into keto, carnivore, and intermittent fasting, and we're going to have to do a part two either solo or together because we had so many other fads that we wanted to touch on. We also talk a little bit about some of the things that we're currently loving in our own lives and how we personally find balance when it comes to nutrition. So to give you a little background on Maddie, she's not only an amazing wealth of knowledge when it comes to supporting women balancing their hormones and getting in tune with the four phases of their menstrual cycle, but she is also an herbalist and the founder of Peace Love Hormones, which is her business, her podcast, and a line of organic herbal remedies for women's health. So as a family business working in the business of hormones, we absolutely love Soothe, which was the first of her, her of her herbal lineup. And it's an organic remedy comprised of 10 various herbs clinically proven to restore the health and vitality of your menstrual cycle. She also now has bitters for digestion and liver health and sleepy for restorative sleep, which we know is crucial for optimal hormone health. So all that to say, I am a huge fan of Maddie's work and her as a person. If you're actually interested, we have recorded previous episodes together. I recorded an episode on her podcast all about hormonal migraines, which is something that I've dealt with. And she recorded a podcast on the Solo 2.0 podcast quite a while back on cycle syncing and just hormone health in general. So um, I will link both of those in the show notes if you want to go back and listen. And lastly, before we get into the episode, I wanted to give a little plug for my own business, Body Bliss by Jess, because I am currently accepting 
new clients. And my one-on-one coaching is just a really great way to get ahead of your hormone health and fitness goals before we get into the busy holiday season. I know that it can feel like sometimes you want the perfect time to get started on a new program, but if we wait for the perfect time, it will never come because life is always going to have curveballs. There's always going to be traveling and job changes and illness and weddings. You know, there's always going to be things that pop up that make getting after our goals a little bit more challenging. And that's why it's really important to have consistent support from a coach and a program that isn't a quick fix. So if you're someone who has been wanting to lose weight, but do it in a sustainable way without the fad diets, like we're going to be talking about in this episode, or you want to improve your menstrual cycles, learn how to implement cycle syncing in a really realistic way, reduce hormonal symptoms, or just focus on improving your nutrition and your hormone health habits. I work with each client to customize a plan that incorporates balanced meals with an optional meal plan just to make things really easy hormone supportive workouts, there's unlimited chat support, I send a lot of educational video lessons, and you even get a private support group for added accountability and community, which is so awesome. I offer a free discovery call to anyone that's interested in learning more. And if you mention Solo 2.0 podcast, I will honor my Labor Day sale offer until the end of the year, which is a really great one. You get an entire month of coaching for just a penny when you sign up for at least four months of coaching together. So you just go over to bodyblissbyjess.net or click the link in the show notes to sign up for the call and I will reach out within 24 hours to schedule something with you. So with that said, grab yourself a cozy beverage like my favorite matcha latte or a chai latte or maybe a sparkling tea and let's get into this fun and informative episode with myself and Maddie Miles. Hello Jess. Hey Maddie. This is so crazy that we're seeing each other in person. I know. I never thought this would actually happen. So it's really cool we were able to make it work. I love meeting Instagram friends in person. It's just so special. And I I just feel like because we've seen each other so much and like we've like sent each other voice messages mm-hmm. all the time, like we've just been in contact for at least three oh, years. Oh yeah, like I feel like we, I remember you messaged me on Instagram and I was like, oh my God, I love it. Look the at cutest. Me. Like first of all, just your energy and you were just so like vibrant and you voice noted me. And Typical me. you have grown so much <laughs> since then. It's Thank incredible you. to see. Uh, this was like pre-Soothe. And I feel like it was like right before the pandemic. Mm. Because I remember, it's so weird. I have this like vivid memory of sitting on the steps, which is this area in my neighborhood outside. And you voice noted me. And then I was checking out all your content. And I was like, wow, I really love the way that she's delivering this information. Mm. And just your spirit around it. Because I feel like there's so much. And we'll talk a lot about this in this episode, but like so many dogmatic approaches out there. And it just felt like you were just very approachable and, Mm. you know, not making people feel like it has to be one way or the other. So I think we just really hit it off in that way. (laughs) And then, yeah, it's been like three years where we've been messaging back and forth. We've both been on each other's podcasts. I mean, we like support each other's businesses and I'm all about that. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. Thank you for saying that. I, it makes me very happy to hear that, especially, I mean, you know this because you Braxton and I just had like a 30 minute conversation about this. It delayed the podcast a bit, but so worth it. Uh, just talking about how extreme, 
so many people get nowadays about health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're recording this episode today too. And I'm yeah. so happy that this is your idea actually of like, hey, I'm going to be in Austin for a few days. Let's not just hang out, but let's record a podcast yeah, together. Yeah, the best way to hang out. For you're sure. you're hanging out and you're getting to talk about what we're both passionate yeah. about. I mean, literally we would talk about this anyway, exactly. even if we were just like grabbing tea or something. So it's like may as well like put some microphones in front of our mouths. But this is, you know, why, why we wanted to, you know, talk on the podcast was about all of these fads that we've been seeing on social media. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot on TikTok, on Instagram, everywhere. You know more about like the TikTok space than me, because I have to say that I have to have a few boundaries around social media and I'm already mm-hmm. so addicted to Instagram that I feel like TikTok is just like my line in the sand. Yeah. I do don't really go on there. I don't really know what's happening other than what I see on Instagram from TikTok. But I've been hearing about like more trends that are on TikTok that aren't even making it over to Instagram. So it's just getting crazy out there. But yeah, there's so many that they're always popping up. And I feel like as a health coach, I always have clients messaging me asking like, what do you think about like this green Mm -hmm. juice or should I go like keto or should I try intermittent fasting or what should I do? And that's one thing I'm noticing a lot of is just the, like, should I do this Yeah. rather Mm -hmm. than might this be supportive for me? Is this something that I'm actually drawn to? Is this something that I think might be sustainable? Is it something that I feel like I could do long-term you know, versus like someone told me that I should, that is either an expert or an influencer or practitioner. And I think that's where it gets really tricky because we get away from listening to our own bodies and experimenting and gathering information um, and just kind of follow, you know, what other people are telling us to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's such thing as bio-individuality and that's yes. what I live by. Me too. Just that we are all so different. We have different genes. We have different, uh, I mean, just everything. Um, physiology, our age, where we live, what we've experienced in our earlier and present life, like all of this has to do with how we feel and show up to the world every single day. So I always say bio-individuality over social media science. Yes, air quote science. 100%. <laughs> so I can speak on TikTok a little bit. Um, yeah, tell me because, what's on the TikTok. So to be quite honest, I mean, the algorithm is always more or less like what you're interested in. So I really don't see a whole lot of... Um, <laughs> It's funny, my my sister-in-law the other day was like, I wish I had your TikTok algorithm because it's either like very sound yeah. hormone health stuff or it is just hilarious videos, like absolutely like gut-wrenching. You're laughing so hard because it's like so funny. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, my TikTok knows I love, you know, humor. So That's a very positive yes, feed to follow. Yeah. For sure. Um, in terms of, I mean, we all know the fad diet, like especially like the big hitters, right? Mm-hmm. Because it goes way beyond like an influencer talking about it on social media it's it's actually like you know very renowned health professionals and like researchers talking about a lot of these so those are the ones that we're going to be talking about today are like those big hitters so to say the ones that people have been seeing for a long time now kind of everywhere long time is in like at least a year or so oh for sure 
So I just wanted to also caveat by saying that I completely understand people feeling super overwhelmed by all of the conflicting opinions out there, especially because a lot of them are backed by these incredible experts. Um, I even get really overwhelmed sometimes where I'm like, oh, wait, should I try this? Mm -hmm. You know, this sounds interesting. And I do think that it is, I'm always open to trying things, but I think in the back of my mind, I tell myself it's okay to try something, but also tune in to your biofeedback and really pay attention to it and be really honest with yourself if it's working for you, because all the benefits might be there, but if it doesn't feel right for you, then that doesn't, that's not going to work long-term. For sure. And to your point, you know, these, you know, big name researchers and doctors and, you know, uh, biohackers, like, you know, cause you have a, a lot of people from a lot of different walks of this profession of this, you know, career, they need to have, you know, they don't need to, I would argue, but perhaps they would argue that we need to have a firm stance on something. Mm -hmm. We need to be so gung-ho about one thing because that's what you can, you know, go viral with in terms of content. That's what we can create a book around, right? So I get it. I get why people are so adamant about like, we need to say like this one thing is like the best thing ever because it's what like makes headlines, so to say, right? But we are very opposite from that because, you know, and and I truly believe in my heart that these people, even to their core, know that, they're lying a little bit or they're not mm-hmm. being fully truthful because there's never one thing that is right for everyone. Like literally never. There's Truly. nuances to everything. And again, how me being a woman in her twenties, optimizing her hormone health, how I take care of myself is going to be different than my partner mm-hmm. who's in his near thirties and is a male and has a totally different, like past and current life situation in terms of like traumas and how, you know, I had an eating disorder and depression and anxiety and it was so depleted of my minerals for so long and my neurotransmitter production was subpar. And he's like, you know, this golden retriever in like human form, how we treat ourselves is very different. So to say, you know, for a professional, you know, I'm just going to use that single singular term to kind of like <laughs> bring in all these people or an influencer, mm-hmm. right? For some one person to say, hey, this thing worked for me. I've seen it work perhaps even for other people. This is like the best thing. It's just, it's so dangerous to say something like that because someone who doesn't have a background in research, whether it's on the natural side or the not natural side, someone who doesn't have that like sound foundation of like, well, that just can't literally can't possibly be true, right? Because like, that's just not how the human body works. So, you know, one thing is not going to ever be the the cure all. So unless you have that background, unless you have that foundation, that like solid core of like, you know, I know how to see like all the sides to this, which most people don't, because again, not everyone chooses this to be their profession. Mm -hmm. Not everyone wants to be a researcher. Then a lot of people take that at face value and they start doing it. And so that's why I'm so passionate. And I know you are too, about talking about the nuances to all this stuff, like intermittent fasting. We'll get into that one first because Mm -hmm. that's a big one, right? Intermittent fasting. It's nothing new. There are many different types of fasting that have been around for 
really, really long time, yeah. millennia. Different types of fasting, religious fasting, non-religious fasting, you name it. It's just now being marketed is it's, the difference. It's yeah. now being marketed. And intermittent fasting, there are different types of it too. So I know a lot of people responded to my Instagram story when I was asking you all like, hey, what are you seeing on social media that you want us to talk about in this podcast episode? Intermittent fasting was huge. So very understandable. Everyone's talking about it, but no one's really properly, at least I haven't seen anyone properly educating on the different types of intermittent fasting that there are, Mm -hmm. the pros and cons, and who it's for and who it's not Mm -hmm. for. So intermittent fasting, um, I will say like just in general, not just with intermittent fasting, but in general, most research is done on men or male rats. So we we must take- Even male rats. Yeah. Yeah. We must take everything with a grain of potassium because a woman, the female physiology is very unique, very different. And again, then you bring in age, which is a huge factor, how much someone sleeps, how much inflammation they have in their body, everything is going to act differently. So even, you know, someone who's the same age and also women, we still most likely are doing different things for our bodies, like Mm -hmm. slightly tweaked, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. it's like the same, like, okay, yes, we're eating whole foods, we're eating organic, we're prioritizing sleep, but it still looks a little different because we're different human beings. So the research doesn't always apply to women in their fertile years is what I would like to say. But I, so intermittent fasting is just going long periods intermittently of taking a break from food. So you can drink water, but you're taking a break from from food. And I understand the practice because I believe that everyone, I mean, we all fast naturally overnight. Yeah, <laughs> That's the exactly. thing. It's like what Our you said. Yeah. Breaking our fast. <laughs> and you're like, you know, it's all about marketing and 110% because we've already been doing this. We're just making people second guess it now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, well, am I not fasting long enough? And really like from at least the research that I believe to be most sound and credible, for women in our fertile years, but also just for everyone, at least a twelve night, a twelve night, a twelve hour Don't overnight do a 12 night fast, please. Yeah. A twelve hour overnight fast is when you're going to reap those amazing benefits. A thousand percent, I agree. And it's easy. I mean, that's literally like stopping dinner at you know, yeah, by eight p.m. at the latest. But like yeah. most people are eating it even earlier oh, around yeah. like you know five six at the latest seven p.m. If you're not eating breakfast until the next morning between seven to eight. PM, that's like a 12 to 14 hour fast, depending mm-hmm. on that window that you choose. And so it's like, we're already doing it. We don't need to like get so nitty gritty about things. And I think that's where we get lost a lot in this, in this society as a whole is like, we have to get so technical about things, but our bodies aren't machines and they're very fluid and they change all throughout our life. They change throughout our cycle. They change depending on how much sleep we've gotten, you know? So maybe one morning it works for you to have a longer fast because you're chilling at home. It's a weekend morning. You're laying on the couch. You slept in. You're laying on the couch watching like a show or you're reading. You're doing something that's not like causing um, any sort of like norepinephrine or adrenaline or cortisol spikes. You're just relaxing. Perhaps then you do like an extra an hour or two fast. Very different than like a Monday morning when you're waking up early, you're rushing around to get ready for work. Perhaps you're getting kids ready for school. Like you're sitting in traffic. You're already doing so much your body needs food and specifically glucose to sustain that energy. So mm-hmm. it's just different, right? Like, I mean, gosh, I could talk forever about well, this. Well, I was going to say, like, there's a couple things you said there that really stood out to me. I think one thing I've noticed with intermittent fasting, and of course, you know, as someone, for those that, you know, don't know me, I yo-yo dieted for 12 years. And so I've literally tried 
all of these diets that we're going to talk about, like every single one I've tried it. Um, unfortunately it was never to support my hormones or energy and anything. It was always came down to aesthetics. It was always for weight loss. And I will say, yes, a lot of people will try intermittent fasting to bring down inflammation or to maybe help heal certain autoimmune or PCOS and things like that. But I would say majority of people that try intermittent fasting, it's for weight loss. It's for weight loss. And really, I think when we are told, maybe someone prescribes it to you or recommends, you should do intermittent fasting. You should do a 16-hour fast or an 18-hour fast. So maybe for you, that means that you don't eat lunch, you don't eat your first meal until noon. And that's what I did when I tried intermittent fasting. And when somebody gives you those type of rules, especially someone like me that comes from an all-or-nothing mentality, you when you're in the all mentality, you really want to stick to it. And so you go against your body's natural voice, you know, your innate wisdom. You go against what you were saying, like, oh, you know, I'm just hanging out at the house. I'm just relaxing. Maybe, you know, I want to eat a little bit later. You ignore that for the rules. And then because you're ignoring what your body is actually asking for, then you start to see these repercussions. And for me, it became extremely obsessive. And it really messed with my mental health because I would be counting down the seconds, the minutes until I could eat food. And so it was like, I would get to work at the time I was working for a marketing agency and it was a heavy brain function job. Like I had to be coming up with new ideas, talking to clients in the morning and I was hungry. It wasn't like I wasn't hungry. A lot of people say, Oh, you're just not hungry. I personally was hungry, but I wanted to stick to it. And so I would drink three cups of coffee on an empty stomach, which again, you're adding more fuel to the fire. And Maddie and I talk a lot about this, where if you're going to have caffeine in the morning, you definitely want to pair it with a full balanced meal, ideally after you've had a meal. Um, and you know, I see a lot of people doing intermittent fasting that are utilizing coffee as a way to fill themselves up. So they're adding, especially for women of reproductive age two stressors at the same time, not eating. And then straight coffee with no, no coconut milk or anything because you don't want to disrupt the fast. So you're just drinking black coffee, which I was doing. Then I would switch to like this huge mug of lemon water or tea because I was basically just trying to fill myself up, counting down the minutes until I could eat and just completely obsessing about food. And as a result, I was shaky. I was weak. I was so food focused that it really took me away from being productive in my job, I like couldn't think quickly on my toes and, you know, I'd be in brainstorm sessions and I just, I couldn't think of what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. I didn't have as much confidence in what I was saying. And it was so interesting. And then as soon as 12 o'clock hit, it was like, I was just ravenous. I would grab whatever I could grab. And a lot of times that wasn't a balanced meal. It was just whatever was close. So I feel like it's this ripple effect beyond just like the intermittent fasting itself. It's like, all of these things that I was pummeling my system with. And I developed, you know, hormonal imbalances. I had body image issues. I had a missing cycle. You know, I just was like, I was very focused on reducing calories. And so I wasn't focused as much on like the nutrient density of the food or balancing blood sugar. And I think there's a lot of people doing it this way. So it's like also the way in which you're doing it and the mindset behind it. Mm-hmm. too. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, everyone is, is so different. So again, like 
we can all agree here that an overnight fast is beneficial. It's great to give your digestive system a break. If you're able to give that a break, you're able to really, especially while you're sleeping, right? It's like, it's the perfect combination of like, you know, you're fasting while you're also sleeping because you're in full parasympathetic mode. Your Mm -hmm. body's really able to go in and clean up what it needs to clean up. So to say cellular turnover, detoxification, especially brain detoxification, like it's the perfect duo, sleep, rest, and and, and fast. Like those to fast while you are, you know, doing a high intensity workout, you're in a very demanding job or just a job in general, just living like our bodies need fuel. And, you know, what I would love to mention as well, just because this is so prevalent in, you know, women's health, especially, but hypothyroid and and Mm -hmm. insulin issues, um, blood sugar issues, which is, you know, incredibly common, especially for those who are struggling with PCOS this is really detrimental. It does more harm than good. And so I love the intention of people trying to use natural ways to support their health and intermittent fasting. It's natural, right? Cause it's, it's really just about, you know, mimicking food intake. It's mm-hmm. not about, you know, taking a medication. So I appreciate sure. that for sure. I just think that in Western society, we take things so extreme mm-hmm. that it's like, Oh, we know that an overnight fast is great. Let's just push it to like 24 hours or 16 or 24 yeah. hours, you know, 16 is fine for some, for some, again, I'd rather have people have like an earlier dinner than a later breakfast because, you know, our cortisol is higher in the morning. It's just a more demanding mm-hmm. time of the day than like at the end of the day where you're no longer working, you're not really running around, you're just relaxed at your it home. Help you sleep deeper if you're not sleep trying deeper. to digest your food right before sleep. For sure. Um, but for, you know, for those who are struggling, like, with any aspect of their health, you know, um, women, you know, the women who are listening to this who are struggling with their health, I don't think that an extended fast necessarily is the best for you. Of course, if you have a trusted practitioner that you're working with and they're helping you through longer fasts, that's a totally different story. But at least what I firmly believe by and what I learned in my studies is like, Overnight fast, great. In conclusion, overnight fast, great. Anything longer should be done under the care of a practitioner who knows your story, who knows like, okay, this actually would be beneficial for you to, you know, let your body go through autophagy a little bit longer in the mornings. Like that would maybe be great for your given situation, but we're going to do it in a certain way. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not going to wake up and drink three cups of black coffee on it. We're not going to, cause that's all going to cause more inflammation. And the goal with any, with any human, whether you're struggling with your health issues, whether you're struggling with autoimmune or you're not struggling at all, we don't want inflammation to be rampant. So Mm -hmm. to do something that causes that, such as extended fast while you're just pushing yourself through these crazy hit workouts and coffee, it's just, it's not going to work in your favor. So in conclusion on intermittent fasting, I think it'd be fun for on the count of three for us to say yay in approval or nay in disapproval. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious, but (laughs) one, two, two, three, three, nay. nay. (laughs) I also did want to add to that too. I think just as women of reproductive age, especially, we are very hypersensitive to our surroundings and stressors. So like the body does perceive, you know, fasting for long periods of time or coffee on an empty stomach or too much HIIT training as a stress on the body. And it goes into preserve and protect mode as a protective mechanism to support a potential fetus. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what's happening. And I think to Maddie's point, it's usually not just the intermittent fasting. It's that we're 
potentially also waking up early to get in that hit workout and like racing to work and dropping the kids off. And so it's like stress, 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 stress. So I think you would put a note too, of, you know, if you are going to experiment with intermittent fasting, you know, start with the 12 hours and maybe kind of experiment with it during different phases of the menstrual cycle. Like maybe you go a little bit longer during the follicular and ovulatory phase mm-hmm. when you're more resilient to stress and then make sure that you're really keeping it to like 11, 12 hours during the luteal phase when you're less resilient to stress. Mm-hmm. I love, yes. Thank you for adding that in because these things also should be cycled throughout our, our cycle, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's why I love the female body because, know. you know, it's so beautiful that, you know, we're not so cookie cutter, right? Like totally. we really have to tune in and listen. So it's an invitation to listen to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Shall we get into number two, keto? Yes. Okay. So keto, for anyone who doesn't know what keto is, the keto diet, it is high fat, low carb, and moderate protein. And it actually dates back to the 1920s. It was researched and used um, as a potential treatment for epilepsy. It was actually done uh, by researchers at the Mayo Clinic, and they observed that the fasting combined with like the higher fat, lower carb, lower protein reduced the severity and frequency uh, frequency of seizures. So it started about a hundred years ago at this point, and it was used for patients with epilepsy. And now we're using it as a fad diet. So we we love to do, (laughs) we love to, oh, hey, people were eating really, you know, extremely high quantities of fat. And, you know, to conclude the little historical part about it, um, they actually realized that it was not a sustainable long-term solution, especially not for children. And I would add to that women because they weren't studying it on women Mm -hmm. (laughs) previously. So I would add women in there as well, women and children. Um, So let's talk about like the effects of keto. Full disclosure, I have not done uh, keto. Um, I have because I've done everything. Okay. So so, yeah, Dustin talked about it, but keto, I've had a few family members do it. It was like my uncle was doing it for a while and everyone can obviously do anything you know differently my uncle was not eating the healthiest foods so he was following the high prat high high prat high <laughs> fat uh low carbohydrate moderate protein lifestyle but it was not by any stretch of the means healthy food options that he was choosing. So that was my first glimpse into it. I was actually still going through school at the time when he was doing this. Uh, how he described it at the time was it was what, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but people in the army do. So I'm not sure on that one. I did not fact check that one, but I was just like, okay, so then why are you doing it? You're not in the, (laughs) I was like, what? Um, but it was for, you know, body transformation. He wanted to lose weight because they're buff and they're strong. Yeah. He wanted to lose weight. But, um, anyway, I thought it was super interesting. This is way before I knew about like, for example, for example, APOE for genotypes and how, um, you know, those people, for example, I mean, they would just do quite terribly on, on keto, on carnivorism, like that just does not work for the majority, the huge percentage of the population that does have that genotype. Um, so that was long before I knew about any of that. And it was more so just observing like, that just doesn't seem very balanced to me. Like, you know, again, this, it doesn't take, you don't need to be a scholar to look at something like that and be like, it just doesn't seem very good for the body. Yeah. And you're essentially 
you know, trying to switch your body over from being a carb burner to being a fat burner. Which can I just say really quickly, and then I want you to talk on your experience about it. I just think is such ludicrous because I am... I mean, the liver stores so much glycogen and it's per, it's the preferred source of fuel for our yeah. body and our mind. So our bodies will will use that when it can. So it's just gonna it's gonna get it whether it's from your liver or it takes a little bit and transforms, you know, the protein, the little bit of protein that you're eating into glucose. It wants to function off of glucose, whether it takes the stored reserves or it gets it from the food. It's the preferred source. And so yes, we can for sure use ketones. Again, it's not optimal for the body so that's where it's not natural which is why people have the keto flu like Mm. it takes time for your body to switch from carb burning i've never heard of that oh yeah the keto flu which most people experience i'm sorry but if anything says that you're going to get a flu-like symptoms while doing it your body is not wanting to do and that's why it's not natural because it's like to your point carbs are the body's preferred fuel source so when you're trying to switch gears it's an unnatural process. And so the body is like trying to put all of its energy towards switching to being a fat burner. And, you know, it can be like one to two weeks of this keto flu where people feel literally like they have the flu. They're extremely run down. They have really intense cravings. They're super tired. Like they just don't feel right. And I mean, the symptoms vary from person to person. I experienced that when I did keto. And I think, again, we kind of get into this diet mentality of like, just use willpower to get through it. Just use willpower. You just got to put in the time. Like you can do this. We're capable of hard things, you know? And it's like, okay, but again, like you're probably someone who has a lot of responsibilities. I'm assuming as a modern human, whether you're a mom, you know, showing up for your kids or you have a high powered job or you're just trying to like live your life and be productive and show up. Um, that's hard to go through one to two weeks of just feeling like crap and trying to use willpower to bust through it. And then once you get to this place where you've busted through it, people do experience heightened levels of brain function. They feel a lot more sharp. A lot of times they'll say they have more energy. They more, they feel more satiated, but with a lot of these different diets, that also could be due to the fact that you're now for once really focusing on introducing more nutrient rich anti-inflammatory fats into your diet. And maybe you weren't before, you know, and it's like totally possible to prioritize anti-inflammatory fats with moderate amounts of nutrient dense carbs that also come with fiber and other vitamins and minerals that are super supportive. And then you also get that natural energy from those carbs. But I think sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I feel so much sharper and clearer but it's like what were you doing before Mm -hmm. also i mean there's such thing as like a false high false energy too where you know i would love to you know really study some people and and run some labs on people who are on the keto diet who are you know will stick with women in their prime reproductive fertile years and how high their stress is at first when they're doing that because it could just be running off of stress it's like you know people are like I feel so great after my morning cup of coffee though and it's like yeah it makes sense you know like that's what cap that's the the effect the effect that caffeine a wonderful plant constituent that does have many benefits to it but that's one of the the side effects is that you're gonna have all this energy and you're Mm -hmm. gonna feel like you're running I mean for some people like me drink a cup of coffee and you are just way too anxious because you have so much energy pulsing through your body but yeah I would love to see like people on keto who do say 
hey, I'm feeling great after week two, after this this keto flu. Is it really just because they're stressed and they're running on stress fumes? Also, another thing that's popping into my mind right now is that if someone's gut is in a compromised position and that's what's leading them to do something like keto, well, if your gut is, is malfunctioning and perhaps carbohydrates are, you know, whether it's the fiber and the carbohydrates, it's, it's the starches, the sugars, whatever, if that is causing you to feel a little sluggish, because again, your gut needs to be fixed, right? Yeah. Then it would make sense for, okay, I feel clear-minded now, right? But usually it ends. I feel like most women I've talked to who've done the keto, which haven't been a lot, it's been mostly men that I've talked to that have done keto, but it eventually stops feeling so great. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I actually know a lot of women who have done keto. I think because I do have a lot of clients find me that come from like the yo-yo diet background and have tried a lot of different things and they want to try, they want to do something more sustainable. So I've talked to a lot of women who have done keto and yeah, I think it's one of those things where again, it depends on how you do it. Like if you're doing keto and you're really focused on majority whole foods and you're for the first time ever, like eating lots of avocados and coconut and extra virgin olive oil, like you're going to experience amazing benefits. But like I was saying before, I think you can still experience those benefits from just introducing more of those foods into your diet in a balanced way with the carbs, with the protein, like just balancing everything out. And I just think in the long term, it's not sustainable. Like, are you going to eat basically because true keto is like 10% carbs, which is nothing. Nothing. Are you going to eat no carbs forever? And I think majority of people, again, turn to keto for fat loss, for weight loss. And I just want to caveat by saying that the reason that keto works for fat loss and people will see quick weight loss on keto. They will. They'll drop like, especially men sometimes will drop like eight pounds in a week. Women will drop a few pounds. One, it's putting you into a natural calorie deficit um, because you're just naturally letting go of all carbs. So most people are going to drop calories. And two, carbs hold on to way more water Water. Mm -hmm. than fats and protein. And so you lose a ton of water weight, but that's not fat loss. And I think most people say they want to lose weight. What they really mean is they want to lose fat because you don't want to lose water is not fat, right? We all, we want to lose fat. We don't want to lose water and muscle. So it can seem, it's a little deceiving, like, oh, I just lost like five pounds, but really you just went down in all of that water weight. Cause you're not no longer eating carbs. The second that you eat carbs again, it's going to go right back up. And that's where people get into their heads and it becomes this mental game of, well, keto was working before. And now that I started eating carbs, I've gained five pounds. So I'm just going to go back to keto. But it's like, no, you start eating carbs, so now you have more water weight. You didn't just gain five pounds of fat overnight. And I think it's just that mental game, and people just think that it's like they got to go back to keto. Mm-hmm. They become very afraid of introducing carbs back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And just to think about, you know, all the micronutrients that you're missing from cutting out a macro group such as carbohydrates, totally. too. And, um, you know, micronutrients that are essential and needed for liver health and liver detoxification for our gut health, our intestinal health, our brain health, our ovarian health, et cetera. So, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, and it's like a cycle. It's a vicious cycle because again, I'm so happy that you brought up the water weight concept. That's why a lot of these detoxes can be detoxes and fad diets can be so deceptive because 
people do see that change on the scale. Mm-hmm. I have not owned a scale and I can't even tell you how long. It's just something that does n- of no interest to me anymore. Um, but, you know, it's more so how you feel. Like that's what people, I wish more people would be more in tune with and use as an indicator of like, hey, do I need support right now? And what type of support do I need? How do you feel? How do you show up? Are you anxious? Do you have mood swings? Are you feeling just super happy all the time? Like, how do you feel on an emotional, spiritual, and physical level? And let that really guide you in like what you should do. And, you know, we're so aligned on that. I always say like set goals from a place of how you want to feel first versus Mm -hmm. like a number on the scale or how you want to look. Yeah. And other thing, like, I don't think that anybody should be shamed into wanting to have physique goals. Like if you want to lose weight and that's a healthy thing for you to do, it's not, you know, not everybody that wants to lose weight should be losing weight, but Mm -hmm. let's say that it's coming from like a healthy, sustainable place I totally hear that. And I think that, you know, I work with clients all the time to help them lose weight in a sustainable way, or they want to put on lean muscle or tone up or whatever it is. And I think that that is totally valid. But if you can set those goals from a place of like, okay, let me focus on how I'm sleeping, how my energy levels are, my cravings, my mood, like, am I feeling present in certain situations? Or am I like thinking about a million things? How's my libido, my sex drive? Like, how do I feel? feel in my clothes instead of like the number on the scale all the time. Like how are my clothes fitting? Do I feel like bloated or inflamed? Cause again, that may make you feel like you've put on a lot of weight, but maybe you're just like super distended and bloated from inflammation. Yeah. A hundred percent. So my concluding thoughts on keto are really just to be eating all macro groups. Like, of course, don't eat something that you're allergic to. But if it's a whole food, if it comes from our earth, from our planet, fuel yourself with it. And, you know, we mentioned this before, but like with everything, because of our beautifully unique physiology that changes throughout our cycle due to our changing hormones and everything that changes along with that, including our brain, literally the structure of our brain changes throughout our cycle. So there are ways that you can do, you can adopt certain aspects to each of these things. For example, our bodies are more fat adaptive during different parts of our cycle, just like they're more carb adaptive. So during the luteal phase, that's why a lot of us are craving more. A lot of us experience that in like, oh, I'm craving sweets, right? When Mm -hmm. really like we could just use like a really good roasted sweet potato. Um, But you know, there are definitely times of our cycle where we naturally will want to eat more carbs. And there are times of our cycle where we'll naturally want to eat more fats. And I just want to encourage everyone listening to, number one, always have your plate be balanced. Just have each of the macro groups, protein, fat, and a complex carbohydrate. You'll feel great. Now, the quantities though, that can definitely change throughout your cycle. So again, when I'm When I'm in my ovulatory phase and a follicular, I don't rarely ever crave like a hearty stew, like a warm stew or like a veggie grain bowl. What does sound delicious to me are like spring rolls, you know, like just, Mm -hmm. I want to encourage everyone. I'm going to like refrain from saying, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I kind of want to refrain from like saying what I like, because I don't want anyone to like take that and be like, that's what I have to eat. But you know, Spring Basically, only diet. No. <laughs> that was like the next Maddie episode. Like viral. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
gosh, can you imagine? It's like, yeah, I have to take a stance. I'm yeah. like, I totally do like a 360. I'm like, okay, now I need to have something that I'm extreme about. Spring rolls only. Um, <laughs> that is too good. But yeah, I mean, that being said, just at, at the end of the day, like just listen to yourself, you know, yeah. um, our hormones and all the changes that go on throughout our cycle within our body and our minds are so telling. So just listen to it, you know, like really, really listen to it. Uh, going back to the fasting, which we talked about the very first, like you mentioned this, Jess, but in the luteal phase, it's going to be really hard to do extended fast because you're hungrier. Your metabolism is ramped up. You're not as uh, resilient to stress during this time. And how do we, what is the one food group that can literally cut cortisol? carbohydrates so we're going to be naturally craving those type of foods later in our cycle if you want to experience with having more lighter fresh foods around ovulation i would say go for it as long as you are nourishing yourself you are not missing out on on not just calories but you're not missing out on nutrients fuel yourself how it feels best because we can provide all of this amazing information but also you are the best CEO and owner of your own body. So you know the best. So you're the detective. Yeah, exactly. So I also think think in the luteal phase too, a lot of people experience, obviously the PMS week, uh, premenstrual week experience like anxiety and mood changes and Mm -hmm. serotonin, our feel good neurotransmitter can be produced from carbohydrates. So it's really helpful to have nutrient rich carbohydrates to support your mood and it's also a precursor to melatonin, our mm-hmm. master sleep hormone. So having and like detoxifier too. Yes. So having like a sweet potato or like what are other favorite carbs? We should talk about favorite carbs, but like yeah, I love chickpeas. All the root vegetables. Oh, for root me. vegetables. All root vegetables. Beets, carrots, turnip. Oh my gosh, I could turnip. just do. I love. Oh yeah, turnip. <laughs> I love just doing like a tray roast. Mm. of all it's the easiest broccoli get that in there there. yeah Mm -hmm. oh i mean i i couldn't live without carbs but again like you said like instead of just having no one could one no i don't i I always say there's a reason you feel hangry when you don't have carbs because Mm -hmm. literally carbs make you happy yeah like from a neurotransmitter standpoint there's a reason it's not it's your body sending you a message and so to your point earlier it's how you pair it and i always say like one of my favorite hormone hacks is dress up your naked carbs. Mm -hmm. So instead of having like a sweet potato by itself, which isn't technically naked because it also comes with fiber, but it is primarily carbs, right? Like instead of having a sweet potato by itself, pair it with protein and fats and fiber. So add in like, I don't know, some, I've seen people like stuff sweet potatoes with like chicken and like, Mm -hmm. you know, put like some barbecue sauce on there, whatever you, however you like to do yours, like stuff, sweet potatoes or have a chickpea pasta instead of just a white plain pasta that also has fiber in there and then put your protein on top. Maybe that's like organic chicken or it's salmon and then use some extra virgin olive oil and make sure you're just Mm, complimenting yeah right? for sure okay I want to, us to get we won't get into all of the topics that we had today but we need to get into the next so before we do get into the final one let's say yay or nay to um I was like wait what were we just talking about because I feel yeah. like we got into so many tangents keto we were just talking about keto oh, yeah. um one two three nay, nay. <laughs> Yay, Jess, we're like the same. Okay, so the next one, carnivore. I'm surprised. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, this should have come as a close second to intermittent fasting. 
because we have so many big key players and influencers talking about this way more of a trend more recently and you know what's hilarious i think well at least funny to me given my humor is that a lot of these people who are promoting carnivorism on social media uh i mean i'll say it carnivore md he has since changed his name they aren't even full carnivore anymore now like he'll do fruits he does honey and it's sort of like okay he's well, like carnivore and more MD. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so like i mean he changed his name i know like braxton follows a lot of these people more than me because i'm just like you know what protect my energy i don't agree with them and i know that it's important that we listen to other people's opinions but i don't need to follow it i'll pop in every once in a while i i read research that doesn't always agree with what i believe as well or what i've seen to be true so i i get my healthy dose of that for sure but i challenge myself but i anyway braxton follows a lot of those people and he's like yeah a lot of them are Oh, by the way, Braxton's not carnivore. He's just, it doesn't stress him out to see that type of stuff. He likes to learn about all different tastes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But he listens to me first. Yeah. He's like, Maddie, what do you think about this? Yeah, Maddie, what do you think? Um, But a lot of those people have, are no longer actually carnivore anymore. So um, I just think it's incredibly harmful. I mean, again, going back to genotypes, some people that is just so incredibly harmful for, and I do not discredit anyone who says that they feel great on it. I think it's a similar situation to what we're talking about before with keto. It's like, are you running on stress hormones or are you also just giving your digestive system a break from fibers and, you know, carbohydrates that was tough for it to digest. Right. And the whole thing about like anti-nutrients and like, you know, it's just, I'm sorry, it's baloney. Okay. Like these all, we've been eating these since the beginning of the time. And a lot of these, you know, native tribes that they talk about uh that you know are carnivore i mean their life expectancy is pretty dang short i don't think anyone wants to be living just to 50 or 60 years old and right. we the most like sound long-standing evidence that we have for like what's truly healthy in terms of like nourishment is the Mediterranean style of eating and they have plenty of beans and they have their carbohydrates and they balance though that's the whole thing Mm -hmm. about it yeah it is so I I mean I have never tried the carnivore diet I was also vegan for most I was gonna say I don't (laughs) envision you ever I was on the I was on the other end of the extreme kind of um but I mean like I feel like you know without being too repetitive right about everything else that we're saying about all these other ones it's like when we are restricting our bodies and our minds of any macro group that that is just inherently not great for us I mean it's going to ramp up inflammation which inflammation is just going to cause so many like countless issues for ourselves on the reproductive side and on just on the overall general health side it's just it's not great for you. It's also really not great for your social life, for your own personal life as well. I mean, anything super restrictive is so mentally taxing and it really prevents you from enjoying a meal out with your friends or going on vacation. I mean, I even remember this, you know, I I struggled with anorexia when I was younger and extreme OCD when it came to food. And then I, you know, got into my, I went in, I went through a lot of stages of, of my health journey for yeah. sure. Super and it's very isolating. It's very isolating. So 
you know, it makes me sad to see people like, you know, promoting the carnivore diet or the keto or, you know, intermittent fasting. It's like, it's taken away people's joy, a lot of their joy aside or not aside, but on top of everything else that it's doing on a bio chemical level, it's just not really benefiting the body. You're essentially, for those that don't know, you're essentially only eating it's primarily meat, like not even most carnivore people aren't doing even a ton of fish. It's no, like primarily yeah. meat. And then they'll maybe, I mean, some like hardcore carnivore won't do any fish. They'll just do meat. Some will Correct. do like meat and fish, but I actually, I can't remember his name, but I heard a carnivore expert on a podcast. Cause I actually do like to listen sometimes just to see like, okay, what does he love so much about it? You know? And it's like, reduced inflammation, helping people heal autoimmune disease, like helping people with insulin resistance, PCOS, all these different things. And I, when I hear that, it's like, okay, but that person is likely not all, but likely removing a lot of inflammatory things that they previously had in their diet. So if you're only eating meat and maybe fish, you're naturally not eating any processed foods. You're naturally not having sugar. You're naturally not having like anything. You're not having any dairy. You're not having any of, you're not having any soy. You're not having any nuts. You're not having these other things that can fuel autoimmune for some people. And so you're naturally just cutting all of that out and then reducing inflammation and weight loss. Again, you're in a calorie deficit because you've just cut out a ton of food groups And yeah, people are going to start to feel better that have severe autoimmune and inflammation issues, but there's other ways that you can reduce inflammation and heal autoimmune that don't require cutting out entire food groups. I mean, you literally have no fiber Mm -hmm. or like very small amounts of fiber, which is Mm -hmm. integral to a healthy gut. And to your point, like how sustainable, like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation and just eat a plate of meat. And I'm going to go to, I mean, I just can't imagine going to Italy and being so excited about going to Italy and not having like a bite of pasta, mm-hmm. just ordering a piece of meat on a plate or, you know, same with all of these things. Like, oh, <laughs> I, I just have one slice of meat yeah, on, a plate, on a plate, Well, this guy on the podcast, he said like the interviewer was like, how do you order when you go out to eat with friends? And he said, oh, it's so easy. I just order a steak, no sides, no butter and a little bit of salt and pepper. Goodness. And he was saying, you know, it's just, it makes it's, you know, I save time when I work out in the morning. I just need a plate of meat, like bacon. And it's, you know, you're out the door and it's just a very, first of all, masculine approach, mm-hmm. pretty aggressive and just doesn't seem fun at all. And I just feel like as much as food is fuel and it's nutrients, it's also emotional and it's mm-hmm. joyful and it's nostalgic. And can you imagine going to Thanksgiving dinner and being like, no, I'm not going to have like a bite of grandma's like famous mashed potatoes or like a piece of my favorite pumpkin pie. Like I'm just going to have steak on a plate. Yeah, I cannot. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I'm past my restrictive years and ah, gosh, carnivorism is, is a super interesting one. Again, I just think it's very interesting and not surprised, but very interesting that so many of these, you know, big advocates and promoters of carnivorism are no longer true carnivores because again, it's just, of course, you know, if they're gut issues and that's why you're feeling negatively before carnivorism makes total sense. Why cutting out, you know, the, the tough to digest foods, but that's the other thing is that I don't understand, you know, 
to digest meat and I eat I eat my poultry now and my fish and I love it. I'm very balanced with how I eat now after being vegan for six years, but it takes a long time to digest as well. It's not by like any stretch of the means an easy to digest food. That's a huge part of it that I don't <laughs> so understand. I actually looked it up before this podcast. It takes like three to four hours. So it takes, yeah, three to four hours um, to die. Actually, the longest to digest is pork. Mm, it takes like mm-hmm. four to five and a half hours. And then beef is like three to four and a half hours. And then depending on like most vegetables and fruits are like 30 minutes. And then fish is like 40 to 60 minutes, depending mm-hmm. on the type of fish and how much fat and there if, is. Yeah. How lean it is. Yeah. yeah. Of course. But I personally, am not a huge red meat lover and it's not because like, I think it's unhealthy. I think that absolutely. If you get like a good grass fed red meat, it's can be awesome. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I just don't like the way too much red meat makes me feel. I really feel heaviness in my gut and I just feel like it doesn't digest as well. I feel mm-hmm. more sluggish afterwards. I don't feel like it gives me a ton of energy. Um, it just feels like it sits heavy. Whereas when I have fish, I feel like really light and energized. Mm-hmm. But going back to our cycles, we you know bleed out Well, when we we don't bleed out, but when we have our period, uh, through bleeding, we need to replenish iron mm-hmm. and zinc. And obviously the most bioavailable way to get that is through animal protein, specifically mm-hmm. red meat. And so I've started creating a ritual where my period week week, I go and I get a burger, which I never eat burgers mm-hmm. again, not cause I think they're unhealthy. I just don't crave steaks. I don't crave burgers, but during my period week, intuitively, I kind of do now. And that's my body telling me this is what you need right now. And Mm -hmm. so I've created this like really positive ritual around it, which makes it really fun. But for me, it's one of those things where I do like, I kind of, it's not, I'm not going to have a burger and like go out in the town. Like I'm going to have a burger (laughs) and watch a movie and go to sleep. Like I just, for me personally, it doesn't digest super easily. Yeah. And I mean, again, everyone's so different. It's like, this is why it's so harmful to say that one thing is so great. And anything done to the extreme is inherently unhealthy for the body too. Like, I mean, just, just facts like straight up (laughs) so I you know I realize where a lot of these things come from right it's like oh we know that animal protein has um, bioavailable protein and some vitamins and minerals and that's so great and you know Protein is essential for, you know, and the amino acids specifically are essential for detoxification and just various parts of our of our body and our human experience so then the extremists go, we're only going to eat that, right? Exactly. And then you have people in another camp where, and it's not just the two, right? There's a bunch. But then you have people in the camp of like, well, plants are so healthy. And obviously, I'm 100% agreeance with that. There's nothing really to agree or disagree on. It's just facts. Plants have, so many plants have you know, hundreds upon thousands of chemical constituents, some of which have no direct correlation with the health of the plant, but a direct and positive impact on humans' health. So clearly we're supposed to be eating plants, okay? So anti-nutrients, you know, whatever. Um, And you have people though who take that to the extreme even and go, oh, we see it that plants and berries and our fruits and our vegetables, all these things are, you know, antioxidant powerhouses or the healthy, you know, neuro, uh, neurotropic and brain health carbohydrates. It's then people take that though to the extreme and go, we're only going to eat plants. And yeah. where we all should really strive to be is understanding all of these, the intermittent fasting and how there's some truth to that and how there's also, you know, untruth to that. And 
keto and carnivore and veganism and how all of these things do all have some truth to it. And we need to see logically that people can easily take something and run really far with it. But that doesn't mean that we have to run with them. We can look at something, we can learn about it, we can take what resonates and what works for us and ultimately come to what is known as balance. And Mm -hmm. especially for women, that's changing all of this throughout our cycle, changing it throughout our life because how we fuel ourselves and move our bodies and manage stress and all of the things and herbal medicine is different when we are you know, in our fertile years versus when we're going through menopause. Mm -hmm. That then changes. Um, So again, I am just, we can say our year nay on carnivorism. Nay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in plot twist, yay. Um, You know, and I know we're coming up on time here because Jess is headed back to California. But I, I just want to emphasize just balance and finding whatever that is for you. And... We are here to be your very humble guides and let you know our thoughts and the nuances to all of these things, right? Like the three that we talked about today, there will definitely have to be a part two. So, you know, all yeah, of these things. others to cover. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many. Well, I yeah. actually, I, I read some on my Instagram stories. I was like, I don't think I've ever heard of that one before. I, I need to do some research yeah. into it. There's, you know, someone actually mentioned that they're, they've been seeing like bone broth cleanses a lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. at the end of the day, I think we can all agree on giving our digestive system a break overnight for sure and eating whole organic local and possible nutrient dense foods changing that up throughout your cycle listening to yourself because you're always your best guide and whether it's once a month or once a quarter or whatever you need doing a if you want to do like a deeper kind of reset right like maybe that is just having liquids but again there's so many nuances to this because someone could do maybe a bone broth cleanse for a day another person would have to have thicker smoothies with mm-hmm. protein in it and fats and carbohydrates but they're still giving their digestive system a break because they're having liquids so they don't have to break down as much you're drinking pre-digested that's just one example that came to my mind right off the bat not saying anyone needs to do either of those you could also be an incredibly healthy person and not even do those cleanses you know and instead just take your herbal medicine take functional supplements as needed as your body needs if you're lacking in any nutrients and eating whole foods and reducing stress, like managing your stress, sleep, all of those things go a lot further, right? Like, you know, you can do any of these diets and it may work for a little bit, but if you're not really addressing the root imbalances of Mm -hmm. why you aren't feeling the best, what caused you, inspired you to do something like this, then you'll never truly be healthy. And you're just going to be on this like hamster wheel of like yo-yo dieting, having something work, getting super excited about it, and then it doesn't work. So you try something else and it works for a little bit. You get excited and it's just like this vicious cycle. And as you go through that cycle, it really impacts your Mm self-worth. And as someone who yo-yo dieted for 12 years, it just really does because you constantly feel like a failure. You constantly feel like you're failing and it Mm -hmm. does not feel good to constantly feel like you're failing. And to get on the scale and then be like, oh, I'm up. So now, you know, therefore I've been, you know, I'm connecting my self-worth to that, or I had a bad food and therefore like I'm bad, you know, Mm -hmm. or I had a good food and I'm, I'm good. So Mm -hmm. like connecting morality with foods. And I think it just like, it really does a number on how you feel about yourself and your ability to really tune in and get connected with what, what works for you in this phase of your life. Cause we're talking about like the reproductive years versus the menopausal years, but like 
phases of your life. Like it could literally be every six months could be a different phase where you need something else because Mm -hmm. your body has been through different challenges or you've moved or whatever has happened in your life. So it's just always having grace with yourself and knowing that like you are so incredible as you are and none of these diets or these like ways of eating define you. And you're always, you always have the power to make a different choice and to try something new. And that's okay. Like it's okay. If something didn't work for you, it's totally fine. It's great. And it's great that you're open to trying different things and saying, you know what? Like it was cool that I tried that, but it's not for me and it didn't work. And it becomes really empowering the more that you tuned into that and you listen to that voice and then you connect your hormones with it and how they're fluctuating and you have more understanding for who you are at the core. And it just gives you such a deeper connection with yourself and the choices that you're making. It's super empowering. Absolutely. Yeah. What a beautiful way to end this episode. I love doing this in person. This is so exciting. I know. I love this. And thank you everyone who listened. We only got to three out of the, I mean, we had so many entries. (laughs) I I double checked this morning because I was like, oh, we got a lot more, but these are definitely the top three. I wish we would have gotten into veganism for sure, but I'll definitely be doing a part two. I'm sure Jess will be doing yeah. a part two as well on, you know, a lot of these uh, fads that we've seen. But I really quickly just want to say like what we've been loving. And yes. I mean, we kind of already mentioned it, but like for me, I mean, you know, of the multiple things, I am a clinical herbalist. So I will always love my herbals. Um, they're really just our allies, especially for women. So uh, yeah, definitely herbal medicine, managing stress. I used to say reducing stress, but that's not always possible. So managing yeah. our stress and balancing it with stress-reducing activities and self-love and self-care sleep of course foundation right there and just more nature time getting outside even better barefoot grounding in the grass and the dirt and the sand whatever is available to you and just taking your care of yourself from a very holistic as natural as close to nature as you possibly can in this seemingly very unnatural world that we kind of live in right Mm -hmm. now but there are ways to make it more holistic to make it more you to make it grounding for your nervous system very nourishing for your entire body and soul so that is what I've been loving I really I mentioned it briefly for anyone who doesn't know me personally because perhaps you're listening to this from Jess's podcast I have a, a history as well eating disorder anxiety depression insomnia really went through the ringer with my health, which is why I'm in this space to begin with, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I'm very, you know, I don't regret anything that happened because everything got me to here and my life is amazing and beautiful now, but I'm very much so about like balance and just about doing what's best for me. And I have dramatically decreased the amount of people I follow on Instagram. I've opted out of a lot of things that just don't serve me because I realize how short our time is on this earth and how precious our energy is. And at the end of the day, I know myself the best. I tr- I truly do, you know, especially with like my background and <laughs> I, you know, I, I understand to get to know yourself as well as you do now. Yeah, it right? has, but it's been so worth it. Yeah. And I'm still learning. Don't get me wrong. Cause I'm forever changing and evolving. We all are. But that is what I love the most. And I'll just add in like an extra little thing that, you know, people kind of, 
have been hyping up on social media, but it's, it's by no, no means like really a new thing, but saunas and infrared saunas are definitely, I'm a big fan of those, uh, cold exposure. I'm kind of iffy about for myself. It just depends. Yeah. It's not, I don't always feel the best doing it Mm -hmm. short term or long term, but I love my infrared as you know, I love infrared saunas. I love sweating. It's not really needed right now. And Summer in Austin. I was going to say, I have never been to Austin before, and I am detoxing all over the place. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Yeah. so hot. We kind of just sweat outside when we're walking our dog, and then we'll put on our infrared light just in the house, you know, so we get both of them, but not at the same time. But I love infrared saunas during the colder months. So that's a health trend. I'll put Mm -hmm. air quotes around trend that I can firmly stand behind. I mean, the research that we already have on just like the reverse aging and how supportive it is of, I mean, when you're supporting detoxification and your liver health you're going to be supporting 500 plus vital functions of the body so reverse aging it will just naturally come with that so that that gets my stamp of approval yeah I love that no those are such good ones and for people listening too we're sitting in Maddie's office and it's like it was so hot and then it just started pouring down rain and she has this like green grass outside with this trampoline out there and these beautiful trees. And as you were saying, like spending time in nature and bringing down stress, it's such a peaceful environment that you're in. And I think that's, it's hard to find because I live in Los Angeles and it's definitely harder to find these kind of like peaceful pockets, but I'm with you. One of my favorite things is just getting outside and getting in nature. And even if it looks a little bit different in Los Angeles, I think for me, I'm super guilty of going on walks and being on my phone because it's a great way to work while I'm walking. I can respond to client messages. I can check my emails. I can Instagram, but I'm really trying to take, even if it's just 15 minutes to go on a walk, put my phone away and just listen. You really don't realize how many beautiful sounds there are and sights there are when your head's buried in your phone. Like you don't hear the rustle of the leaves. Like you don't hear your feet on the pavement. You don't hear like the wind, you know, and it's just so cool to like hear all of that stuff, tune into it. And for me, I'm just really loving that as a meditative practice, because I think again, we can get super black and white with things where it's like, you need to be listening to an app sitting cross-legged to do meditation. That actually doesn't really work for me at least in this stage of my life. So for me, it's like going for a walk and listening to nature and looking at the trees and like just observing life go by um, or taking a meal away from distractions, like a mindful meal and just breathing in and looking at my food and using that as the focal point and just thinking about the flavors and really trying to hone in on that versus like thinking about what I need to do after I eat and the rest of my to-do list the rest of the day. And then like checking my Instagram and being on my computer. And I cannot tell you how much that helps with digestion and cravings and satiety and stress levels. Like there's so you absorb more nutrients from your food when you slow down. So that's something totally free. So I feel like those are two things I'm loving. Um, I don't know if you, uh, use, or if you have an aura ring, No, no, I don't. So I like my aura ring. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I think that there's some cons to it actually. And it is a little bit expensive, but I will say from like a ovulation tracking standpoint, it connects with natural cycles and I'm taking my basal body temperature with it. And I am loving that because I wasn't as consistent with the natural cycles thermometer. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is just like a wearable, right? You just wear it overnight and then you sync it up to natural cycles. So to me, it's a lot easier. And I feel like 
I just have a lot more trust in it than I did with me trying to remember to take my basal body temperature every day. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love my BBT. I use a daisy and I just, yeah, I'm so grateful for modern day technology when it comes to things like that. Totally. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's really great. So it's, it's a great addition to just tuning into how you feel, obviously tracking the obvious when you're bleeding, when you're on your period mm-hmm. and yeah, tracking, you know, different food cravings throughout the month, energy levels, how you're sleeping. Cause all of those are great indicators, but I love the BBT. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll think Thank you everyone for listening. Do you have a sign off for your podcast? Cause I usually say peace, love hormones. We do at the end, but okay. we'll do yours. Oh, we can do both. I'll do, I'll do, I'll go first. Peace, love hormones. <laughs> so mine's like a longer one. So I'll just say what we say, but we say, oh gosh. Okay. Let me see if I can remember it. So we always say it in our outro. Remember, even if nothing feels right today, you tuning into this podcast and opening your mind is enough. Change doesn't happen overnight, so be patient and kind with yourself, and good things will come. I love that. We'll That's see you beautiful. Next time. See you next time. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Yeah.